0: James 5:16 The effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. The prayers of the righteous get the job done. Who are the righteous? We are. Who made us righteous? Jesus made us righteous. If you have a good day, you're righteous. If you had a bad day, you're righteous. If somebody gave you a hard time on the phone, you're righteous. If somebody just complimented you and sent you a letter saying how wonderful you are, you're righteous. If somebody sent you a letter saying that you are a ding-dong, you're still righteous. You're still righteous because Jesus made you righteous. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. You're the righteous person. It's you, you are and Jesus made you that way. not your morning, not your workout, not your drive into work, nothing not not your finances you can't claim any trophy here on the earth that makes you righteous. nothing that you've done. It's nothing it's nothing it's nothing about you don't have anything that you can point to that makes you super. And comparing yourself to anybody else has nothing to do with this. It is nothing to do with whether somebody came, whether I came in 45th place in this marathon or something like that. So what? There were, you know, X number of people behind me and X number of people in front of me. So what? You don't compare yourself to anybody else. Jesus made you righteous. Enough said. That's the end of the story. Righteous. Righteous. Matthew 5:1920 said Jesus spoke to the scribes and the Pharisees and told them that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus was speaking to the most righteous people on earth at the time and telling them that you've got to do better. It's got the standard, God's standard is perfection. God's standard is holiness. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus lived that holy and perfect life. There is no merit badge system that we can attain to that will make us righteous on our own. In the world, we have a 12-step system. If you have been in uh, any kind of recovery ministries, you're familiar with the (laughs) 12-step system. There are all the different steps and things like that. And what happens is in this 12-step system, and they've been very effective for a, a large number of people, But if you get to step seven and fall off the wagon, what do they have you do? Go back to step one. (laughs) And you you start working through, and you get to step six, and you fall off the wagon. And you go right back through, and you get up to step nine, and you fall off the wagon. And you go on up through, and you get up to step 12, and you fall off the wagon. Righteousness is a one-step system. Him who knew no sin was made sin, that we might be made, The righteousness of God in Christ. His righteousness for our sinfulness. He took it. He took it. It's a one-step system. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from step one, righteousness. Step two, step three, all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, where are you again? Back on top. One step. One step system. One step system. Here's a real world scenario. Somebody calls you and says that somebody's in the hospital. We need you to go to the hospital. We need you to pray for them. Are you ready to pray? Yes, you're ready to pray. I see somebody nodding their head going, Yep, yep, I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to pray right now. Why are you ready to pray right now? Answer me. Come on. Why? 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 Because you're righteous. Because God's made you holy. Because you are the righteous person whose prayers avail much. That's you. You're Jesus' hands and feet here on the earth. You are the ones. Good day, bad day, wonderful breakfast or not. Whether whether you had a healthy, wholesome breakfast or not. You're the one. You're the one God's going to use. Go. Get in the car right now. I'm ready to go pray. Right now. Hot dog. Let's go. Let's get it. It's It's not based on me. It's not based on your mood. It's not based on whether or not your makeup looks right. Take a minute and go. (laughs) (laughs) Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Why can we go boldly before the throne of grace? Because Jesus is sitting right there at God's right hand. And his role, in today's, this is, now we're getting into today's lesson. This is all review up to this point. But we're getting into today's lesson is that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. Right over here. Stand right here. Jesus sits at the right hand of God as our advocate. As our intercessor. The Greek word is parakletos. Intercessor. Advocate. Standby. Helper. Counselor. Comforter. Has all those shades of meaning. There he is, right there. Think about it. Stand by is another, another word. Yes. Think about your absolutely favorite relative, absolute best friend here on the earth. Somebody who just loves you more than anybody else. Somebody who just really thinks that that person is great. You're just, ah, Sully, Sully, hey, hey ha, ha, come right up here. Sully's here, woo! I mean, that's how Jesus sees you. Jesus sits there at the right hand of God. Sees you like that at the right hand of God. Do you see that? I mean, sometimes we have this sort of like begrudging, I got the book, man. (laughs) You know, and I got this other book that says I got to let you in. (laughs) Go ahead. I'll look the other way. It's not like that at all. He loves you. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. How much more those who are trying? How much more his children? Now that we've been adopted into his family, children, come on, come on! I had the guy who led me to the Lord said, "You won't understand the gospel half as much until you actually have children." And but once I had children, I began to understand that there's just this. I love the little guy, and I just you know he's just great. He's wonderful, and he makes mistakes and stuff like that. But he never loses his sonship. My last name is Alan because my father's last name is Alan. I was born into that family. I was born in Alan. And even though when I turned 16, I think I crashed the cars in the driveway three times in that first 12 months. I mean, you know, backing out of the driveway, I went quonk and caught it this way, and then went wonk and caught it that way. And I I had three fender benders in the driveway between 16 and 17. I did not lose my sonship. I may have lost some other privileges, but my parents still loved me, and I didn't cease to become an Allen. I'm always going to be an Allen. Do you see that? Yeah. Why? Because I was born an Allen. Did you earn your righteous standing? Did you send in enough box tops to get your righteous standing? Save coupons, lose enough, wait? You didn't earn it. You were born righteous. You were born righteous. Now, what would happen if, say, you were adopted into your family? It would actually illustrate this point even better. Adopted into the family, where you didn't have any rights or privileges whatsoever, but you just got adopted into this wealthy family. You got adopted into this castle, and there were already other children there, natural-born children of the king. And you get adopted into this castle family, and you receive all the rights and privileges you're called prince saul you're prince saul of the castle of the realm with a big ring on your finger and robes of righteousness and i mean just you get everything you get the horse you get the carriage you get the lands the fields all of the attendants they're all yours because you were adopted in and the king calls you his own the king says you're mine you're one of mine You belong to me. You're in my family. You're in my family. You're mine. And therefore, all of it is yours. You're a member of the family. Adopted in. That's your righteousness. That's where you stand. That's how you can pray right now, anytime, and pray with just, boom, results, 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 results. And just get it done. Get it done prayer. That's why you can praise with, Like this, I mean, just right at the top. When uh, when we were in in one church, it was you know the fourth song, and we really had to start with kind of really slow songs and kind of work up and kind of get up there. And people would sort of sit, and some would stand, and maybe at the fourth song you get more people standing and stuff. It was all feelings based. But then I went to another church that understood righteousness, understood positional righteousness, and song number one right out of the box just started up here, and they all jumped up and down and started waving their hands, and they're all dressed really well. Why? Because they saw themselves righteous. They saw themselves accepted. They saw themselves raised up together and seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And they just started out right there. That's how you pray. That's how you praise. That's you. You start there. You don't have to work it up. You're there already. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. This class is called Not Guilty. We always bring our Bibles to every class. We always bring our Bibles to church. Every time you come into this building, you come in with your Bible. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. Advocate is the word parakletos. An intercessor, a consoler. King James calls it an advocate or a comforter. That's who we have at the right hand of God. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. He himself is, the Greek word is hilasmos, means atonement, an expiator. One who has removed your sins from you. He himself is the one who scrubbed you clean. He himself is the one who took it all from you. Let's say, for instance, you're a dog. <laughs> and he himself is the one who gave you the dog bath. He himself was the one who just gave you the bath and brought you in and said, has this one had a bath? He says, yeah, I've got all the water all over me. The smell on my hands to prove it. He's the one who cleaned you up. He's the one who's the propitiation for our sins. He's our advocate. He's the one who argues our case. And he's the one who cleansed us. And he sits there at the right hand of God. All of your prayers go right through him. The one who cleaned you up. The one who paid your price. And the one who argues your case for you. The one who is in all points tempted as you are. And yet he was without sin. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're dealing with. And he says, I paid for it. I paid for it. And so I call you righteous. I call you righteous. I call you righteous. You get it done. And so you pray without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority. There's another really important part of our class is understanding that definition of righteousness. And I want you to memorize this for the class. This will be on the test. What is the definition of righteousness? The definition of righteousness is the ability to stand in God's presence without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority. You are free from failure and any accusation as if sin had never existed. So let's uh, let's go to the court. Let's go to court here. Jesus is my attorney. Jesus is my F. Lee Bailey. Jesus is my Mark Gregos. We've heard of a lot of high-profile defense attorneys. Well, I've got the highest-profile defense attorney, and he says, plead not guilty. He says, plead your innocence. He says, plead not guilty. The accuser of the brethren says, But I've got this big list. Here's all my evidence. Ka chunk. And then he wheels in another truckload of evidence. Ka chunk. And they wheel in with hand trucks. They're bringing files and files and files of DVDs that just show it. You know, we've got it all here. All the stuff that you've ever done. The, the prosecutor, the accuser of the brethren. Is just bringing it in and bringing it in and bringing it in. And he presents his case before the judge, capital J. After he presents his whole case, the judge says, So, what do you have to say for yourself? And you stand up and you hear from your advocate. You hear from your defense attorney. And your defense attorney whispers in your ear, Not guilty. Innocent. Innocent. Righteous. And the judge says, How do you plead? And you say, Not guilty. And the accuser of the brethren is over there just turning red (laughs) and just saying, Look at all this. Look at all this. What do you have to present on your behalf? Piece of evidence number one. The blood. (laughs) 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 And the devil just goes, I lost my case. case. The prosecutor just says, There's the case. It's over. Open and shut. It's It's over. 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 over. The case is closed right there. The blood. I claim the blood of Jesus. Not guilty by the blood of Jesus. This is my blood. This is my blood. Hoc est. This is my body. Hoc est corpus. This is my body. This is my blood. This is my blood that takes away the sins of the whole world. This is my blood that takes away the sins of the whole world. This is my blood that takes away the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of course, you could go on. You could say, I also can present to you, I can present to the court the stripes on Jesus' back, His sinless life, the resurrection, the empty tomb, the 500 witnesses, the changed lives throughout history. There is more than enough evidence on your behalf that you were made righteous. And I love how your attorney stands up and says, I've never lost a case. (laughs) Nobody who's ever trusted in me has ever been found guilty. Everybody, everybody who has trusted in me has been declared not guilty. I've never lost a case. People in the world today want to hire the dream team of attorneys and put them all out there. You've got him. And he's in your corner. Our advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he stands there and he says, Your honor, Dad. (laughs) May I present the accused, my sister. My sister, your daughter, covered in my blood. How do you, how does the court find? How does the court find? What does the court say? Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. 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 In fact, you're not only not guilty, and this is my last point, you're holy. You're holy, holy, made holy. How does Jesus present us before his Father? Go with me to Colossians 1 and verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. You notice how the Bible just says, it says it very plainly, it doesn't try to whitewash it whatsoever. It says, You were alienated and you were an enemy. You were a bad dude. You were a bad chick. You were you were rotten. But yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. To present you, who once were a transgressor, who once were a blasphemer, to present you holy, to present you blameless, not guilty, and above reproach in His sight. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I've been presented holy. I've been presented blameless. I've been presented above reproach in God's sight. Don't give the devil one inch in this area. I mean, don't even allow any of that thinking to even just sort of, well, what about this? You know, just kind of think about this for a little while. And it's just like a little fish hook that just gets in your mouth and just pulls you over here and just come on over here and think about this for a little while. You know, can we just, can we talk here? Can we talk? Can we just talk just about, remember this that you did? Don't go there. Don't even walk over there. Don't even play with that in your mind. Get it settled in your mind. That I'm holy, I'm blameless, I'm above reproach in God's sight, and I don't go over there, I don't think over there, I just don't even, I don't even go with the first two or three words of that thought in my mind. I don't even allow the, you know, once the once he tries to turn on the, on the video file there, tsh, get the flinker on in my mind and just change the channel. Quick! Right. Quick! Get off that station! Get your thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And get over into righteousness. Get over into who you are into your standing. And stay there. Amen? Not guilty. I've been presented holy, blameless, and above reproach in God's sight. I am holy. Now, I'm just going to read to you a number of scriptures here. Romans 11, verse 16. Just, you can just write down the references. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is holy. Jesus is the first fruit. We're the lump. <laughs> and if the root is holy, so are the branches. He is the vine, we are the branches. The vine's holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. God calls your body holy. God calls your body acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable. Renew your mind to what happened in your spirit. Renew your mind to what happened in the heavenlies. Renew your mind to your standing before God. 1 Corinthians 3.17 If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? You are the temple of God. You're holy. In the Old Testament system, they had this temple court. They had the outer courts, the middle courts, the inner courts, and they had this place called the Holy of Holies. What was in the Holy of Holies? God's presence. It was there in the Holy of Holies. It was a totally holy place. That if the high priest went in there, they put a bell on his ankle, and they tied a rope to his ankle, and if, they, if that bell stopped jingling, they knew that he'd gone into God's presence without being ceremonially clean. And he just died. And they start pulling on the rope and dragging back out of there. Who wants to go next? <laughs> <laughs> but God calls you His temple. He calls you holy. His presence is not shut up behind a veil in the Holy of Holies where the high priest can enter into once a year. He's declared you holy. And I don't care how many times the devil has told you, you ain't. You are holy. And the devil can bring up all the videos and all the accusations and everything that so-and-so said. God says, not guilty. God says, you are holy. You are holy. You are righteous. Righteous with God's righteousness. Made righteous with God's own righteousness. You are the righteousness of yourself. No, you are the righteousness of God Himself. That's the righteousness that you are. Not the righteousness comparatively, a little bit better than the rest of the people on the peninsula. Wrong! You are the righteousness of God Himself and holy. Holy! 1 Corinthians six nineteen, 19 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Ephesians 1, verse 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Holy, without blame, before Him in love. That's how He stands there. He sees you holy, without blame, before Him. and He just loves you. He just loves you. Margaret, you rock! come on in here. You're awesome, girl. Come on in here. I love you. Get in here. You're holy without blame. Come on. Jesus Christ, our advocate. Hallelujah. Didn't it make you feel good to go to a, a room like, say you're in school or something like that, in high school or college or, or you went to a party in those days and you looked around, you're you know, you're just looking for a face, somebody you know. And somebody from across the room who's like, You know, the head of the party, the head of the whole thing, sees you and goes, Chris is here! Hallelujah, Chris is here! Come on in here, everybody, look, Chris is here! That's how God sees you when you come before Him in prayer. That's how He sees you. Come on, everybody, look! Let's get the party started. Let's get that prayer going. Come on! Mariel here! That's how God sees you. Holy and without blame, before Him in love. Colossians 1, In the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless, above reproach in His sight. I'm holy, I'm blameless, and I'm above reproach in His sight. Above reproach. What does above reproach mean? It means above accusation. Nobody can speak anything against you. You're above accusation. Above every accusation. That's how God sees you in His sight. Therefore as elect of God, holy and beloved, Colossians 3, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do, because you are the elect of God, holy and beloved, Colossians 3.12. 1 Peter 1.15, for he who called you is holy, so also you be holy in all your conduct, as it is written, be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 2.5 And you also as living stones are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Last question. This will be on the test. Do we grow in righteousness? No. Why? We are righteous. We're made righteous. You can grow in faith. You can grow in grace. You can grow in love. You can grow in many things in the Christian walk. But you don't grow in righteousness. You're made righteous. You're born righteous. Do I grow into Alanhood? I'm an Alan. My last name's Alan. Do I grow into Alanhood? Someday, son, you'll be more Alan than you are now. You just is. You are. That's what you are. You were born that way. You were born into the family. And if you were adopted into the family, you don't become more adopted next month. When you turn 16, you'll be really adopted. No. You were adopted, and you're in the family. And you get everything that goes with the family. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just wonderful? Do the California courts treat an adopted child any different from a natural child in terms of rights and inheritances? What if they were adopted yesterday? Inheritances? That means your inheritance is the same as Mother Teresa's. same. Your reward might be a little bit different. We're working on that. But your inheritance is absolutely the same. Same rights. Same privileges. as Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, John Wesley, all the great saints, Paul, Peter, Mariella, St. Brigitte, that's you, come on. So I was at Seton Hospital today, and it's named after St. Mary Elizabeth Seton, or something like that. And it's a, here's this lady that looks like just about anybody else, but you know, kind of a little bit old-fashioned clothes, and she's St. Seton. To become, a, to become a, um, a, a saint in the Catholic Church, you have to be dead for a certain number of years, and you have to have actually have documented miracles. You and I are called to preach the gospel and heal the sick. Preach the gospel and heal the sick. He sent out 12, he sent out 70, and then he gave the Great Commission. He says, preach and heal, 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 preach and heal. Don't just preach. Show and tell. Show and tell. Pray for them. Do it. Do the stuff. Do the stuff. Why? Because you're righteous. Because you're qualified. Because he qualified you and says you can do it. And expects you to do it. He doesn't have another plan. There isn't anybody standing behind you, Glenn. There's nobody behind you, Evan, who will do it if you don't do it. It's all there on you. You're carrying the ball. You don't have anybody to hand off to. This play, the ball's going to you. You got it. Run with it. Run with it. You pray for the sick, it's God's plan, it's how He's going to do it. He's qualified you and made you righteous, made you holy, above reproach in His sight. Now since God sees you that way, you need to see yourself that way. This is a good illustration and we'll close with this. When I was a sophomore in college, my summer job, I went down to Texas where I have a great aunt and uncle, my grandfather's brother. Lived on a ranch down in South Texas, and in those days, it was the early 80s. They were poking holes in the ground everywhere, drilling for oil. Oil prices were high, and they were, they were drilling for oil everywhere. And so I worked on an oil rig, a land-based oil rig there in uh, South Texas that summer. It was miserable work, but it was really it was a it was a neat adventure for you know a 20-year-old. And uh, my grandfather, no, my great uncle, who my great uncle Bill, who who lived on the ranch there, had had my father down there for one or two summers. My father had, had, had lived on the ranch in the summer, and my father had developed a very good reputation with them. And so I was following in on my father's reputation. In fact, they kept calling me by my father's name every once in a while. They'd just say, you know, instead of Brad, they would call me Jim every once in a while because my father had, had a good reputation with them. I was 19, and I'd gone through the rough teens with my mom and dad My mom and dad didn't quite see me as righteous and holy and above reproach in their sight. They had been through the ringer with me a little bit. It was so refreshing to just sit at the dining room table with my great uncle, who just looked at me as if I'd never sinned. I was completely holy and above reproach in his sight. I had the reputation of somebody else. He saw me with somebody else's reputation. God sees you with Jesus reputation. Do you see that? God sees you with the same favor of Jesus himself. And as a result, how did I live that summer? I lived like I lived like this. I I didn't make a mistake. I mean I just I lived it was the very first summer I'd ever lived like a grown up. It was the difference between being a child because my parents saw me as a seven year old practically and these guys who saw me as an adult. They saw me in that light. And so I lived in that light. Changed my life. Changed my entire life from that point forward. Changed how I saw myself. I I, I became an adult right there. From just a few short weeks, a few short months, in their presence as they saw me. Will you live in God's sight like that? Will you let God minister righteousness to you? Will you let God see you with the favor of His Son, Jesus Christ? That I just see you perfect. I just see you as, 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 as Jesus walked on the earth. I see you in Christ. I see you with Jesus' record. With all the healings. With all the miracles. With passing all the temptations. I see you that way. That's who you are in my sight. And that's my expectation for you. That's how I, that's how I expect you to walk. I expect you to be Jesus. I expect you. Here we are sitting at the table. God, Jesus, and Evan. God, Jesus, and all of us here, yeah. and it's just like, and God's just handing out assignments to Jesus, to Bridget, to Saul, to Glenn, mm-hmm. Sue, and Evan, and He's just saying, "Family, okay, so you do this, you do this, you do this," mm-hmm. and it's just you know, Jesus, you do the dishes, and you know, Evan, you, you 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 dry, and I mean, we're all in it together, and He just sees you no different than He sees His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I mean, that's overly <laughs> anthropomorphic of the whole thing, but the, you get the whole picture that God sees you right there at his table, right there with Jesus. You're just right there with Jesus. Don't, don't ever think about the past. It's God. What past? My past is the past of Jesus. My past is, God sees me in Christ. God sees me feeding the 5,000 and the miracle of the loaves and fishes. God sees me walking on water. God sees me raising Lazarus from the tomb. God sees me in Christ. That's me. That's who I am. I'm in Christ. I don't have any other past. I have no other past other than that. And so it's your job. Your job is just keep, keep going. Just like you raised Lazarus from the tomb, keep going. Just the same way you restored Peter, keep restoring people. Peter, do you love me? Righteousness is dismissed. Amen.